Brothers and sisters, what kind of stuff makes you cry? I already asked it up here of the children. A uh, lot of things maybe make us cry. Maybe, maybe you cry when you stub your toe. Maybe you cry when, you're, when your favorite team loses in a heartbreaker in the last seconds of a game. Maybe you cry when you open the freezer and realize there's no ice cream left. Maybe you cry because you're pregnant. And you don't need to have a rational explanation. You just need to cry. There's a lot of different stuff that could make us cry. But when's the last time you cried about sin? And I don't mean when's the last time you cried about when someone committed a sin against you. I mean, when's the last time you cried over your own sin? I'll venture a guess that maybe it's, it's been a while for most of us, if, if ever. I mean, yeah, I, I, I and probably you too are kind of unhappy with ourselves when we do fall into sin, but we're not necessarily going to cry about it. And in the end, it's okay, really. It's not like God requires us to cry physical tears on our face when we sin to show that we're really sorry for it. That's not required. However, I think today you and I, we're, we're going to learn quite a bit from a woman who did cry. We're going to learn quite a bit from the face of faith that we're looking at today. What it means to be forgiven and grateful. This face that we're looking at today is, is one that is wet with tears. This woman who, who went to Jesus at the house of a Pharisee, her face was drenched with tears. I mean, there had to be a lot of tears because she used the tears to, to wash Jesus' feet. That means we're not probably talking about just one or two tears here. There was a lot of tears running down her face. She was weeping. And she figured she might as well put those tears to good use. But why was she weeping so heavily. If you were here last week, you know, un unlike that angry widow, this woman was not crying because of something that happened to her. She's crying because of who she was. Who was she? Well, she's not given a name in this account, but we know a little about her. We know she had the guts to show up at a VIP-only party at a Pharisee's house to see Jesus. We know she had a bad reputation. She was known within her town as someone who lived a sinful life. And her sin, this means it was out in the open. It was common knowledge to everyone in the town. And a lot of people then, because of this, they assumed that maybe she was something like a prostitute and Okay, probably that's, that's a good guess. But since the nature of her sin isn't really named here, maybe let's, let's not define it if, if God decided not to in the Bible. The, the point is, either way, whatever her sin was, it was public knowledge. It was all over the town. Everyone knew who and what she was, a sinner. And she was probably one of those people that if this woman were to walk into a room, the room went silent everyone mumbling to each other, oh, look, 
she's here. And maybe they would, they would ignore her, turn, turn away from her, pretend she's not there to avoid sharing in, in her embarrassment. And you get the sense that the people at this meal party, they were disgusted with the fact that she was there. Simon, the Pharisee who's hosting the meal, he is repulsed that Jesus would allow this woman to touch him, knowing who she was, a known sinner. We know something else about this weeping woman, though, too. We know she's someone who understood she was in debt. She knew pretty clearly the consequences of her sinful life. Her reputation in the town was was irreparable. She was shunned. She knew how steep her, her debt of sins was before the Almighty God. She knew what those sins had done to damage her relationship with God. And see, she also knew how much she needed Jesus. She knew what Jesus could do for her, what he'd already done for her. And so, she counts the embarrassment of stooping down to wash Jesus' feet with her hair, she counts it worth it. She counted stepping into that Pharisee's house and having all the Pharisees mumble about her under their breath. She counted that as worth it. She counted pouring out her rare perfume on Jesus' feet a worthwhile use of her resources. Because by faith, this woman knew who Jesus was. She knew Jesus forgives sin debts. No matter how big the debt Jesus forgives, even her, a sinner. She knew that. And so the the face behind all those tears, it was a radiant face of faith. It's a a face that we want to have too. But it's the other face in this account that we might end up wearing a lot more than we want to admit the face of disgust, the face of a Pharisee. Simon, the guy hosting the meal here, he was quick to judge and slow to look in the mirror. Simon, he was quick to point out the sins of others and forget about the sins hiding in his own heart. Notice who was in more spiritual danger here. It wasn't the weeping woman. Even though she had these these open and ugly sins, her sins, they weren't as dangerous spiritually as the self-righteous attitude towards sin that Simon the Pharisee had. See, the danger here is not so much that we would ever make a a sin that God couldn't forgive. God's forgiveness is always bigger than sin. The, The real danger here is the unwillingness to have sin uncovered and removed. Think about it, if you were to have a burst appendix, the the solution would be pretty simple. The doctor will tell you, we just got to get that appendix out of you and you'll be fine. But if you deny that you have a burst appendix and you decide you you don't want to have it removed, uh, 
that could be deadly. And, you know, all of this kind of ties in to something we do at worship, right? Each week, we come before God and we confess our sins, asking him to forgive us. Each week, we admit to ourselves and to everyone else that we, we fall short, we mess up. We admit that we sometimes break God's law. We admit that we don't have it all together sometimes. And we do this so that we can have Jesus give us his forgiveness. And this is why, why the confession is called the heartbeat of the Christian. Because without our beating heart, we could end up spiritually dead. Without it, we, we could end up like the self-righteous Pharisee, thinking we've got our act together, unlike everyone else, pointing fingers at others instead of looking in the mirror of God's law, like this sinful woman did. And, that, and that's the greatest obstacle to confession. We, we don't really want to take that painful look in the mirror of God's law like the weeping woman did. We're afraid of what we're going to find out about ourselves, so we'd rather not look at all. But again, the most dangerous thing spiritually, surprisingly, it's not sin. It's thinking that we have no need of personal salvation from sin ourselves. To never have a pang of conscience or, or guilt at breaking God's law, that's dangerous. It could be deadly. So instead, by faith, like this weeping woman, we lean into that guilt. We run the gauntlet of a battered conscience on our way to Jesus. And we, we give it all to Jesus. We drop our guilt at his feet. We ask him to forgive us. We admit our sins so that he can remove them with those words that we are aching to hear. Your sins are forgiven. Our sin debt is paid in full by the blood of Christ. Our debt is canceled. And we're amazed, we're surprised at how easy it is for sin to be forgiven. Or should we say, we're surprised how easy it is for us. As, as we see our Savior suffer and die on the cross, as we see him forsaken by his Father in heaven, then we see how hard it is for sin to be forgiven. And in the end, the debt did have to be collected. It did have to be settled. It was paid in full. It just wasn't paid by us. And so we're amazed that we are set free. We're, we're released that we will not be punished we're amazed at God's grace, his undeserved love that's sufficient to cover all sins, no matter how known or unknown they are. No sin is too great. Christ's forgiveness is greater. And so I'm hoping that maybe now you'll also come to appreciate that confession of sins we do each week at worship. Because that also means that each week, we get to hear God's absolution. 
We get to hear the words spoken directly to us. I forgive all your sins. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is personal. God wants to speak it directly to you. It was personal for the weeping woman. It was personal. It is personal for you. Your sins are forgiven. And trust me, when when I say that to you, it's not just me speaking. God's voice booms out from his word by the power of the cross, by Christ's sacrifice. I forgive all your sins. That sounds like something worth hearing at least once a week. Wouldn't you agree? So maybe while, while this woman, she was crying tears of guilt over her sin and over who she was, I think it's likely she was also crying tears of joy because of what happened to her. She was forgiven despite her sinfulness. And notice Jesus, he never actually contradicted Simon the Pharisee. He didn't say, nah, it's all good. This woman didn't actually do anything wrong. It's not just Jesus sweeping sin under a rug and pretending like it doesn't matter, like the woman could keep doing whatever she wants. He says her sins are forgiven. She is a sinner, a forgiven sinner. This woman, she understood the the depths of her sin and also the heights of Christ's forgiveness. That's why she was weeping. I think all those things were wrapped together, the sorrow and the joy all at once, forgiven and yet sinful, and forgiven some more. That's why she's weeping. And it's also why she does that extravagant act of love toward Jesus. Her love flowed from her forgiveness. She's forgiven and grateful for it. Jesus had said, the one who's forgiven much loves much. Isn't that so clear with this woman? And Jesus, he praises her extravagant gratefulness. He, he points it out to Simon, the Pharisee, and he also points out to him, hey, you didn't do even the, the smallest bit of hospitality for me. And yet this, this weeping woman, she goes way above and beyond what Simon missed doing. This woman, she doesn't just bring a, a, a bucket of water for Jesus to clean his feet. She washes his feet herself with her own tears. She doesn't use a towel. She uses her own hair to dry them doesn't kiss his cheek or his hand. She repeatedly kisses his feet. She doesn't pour household oil on his head. She pours out her costly perfume onto his feet. Her love toward Jesus was extravagant because her love flowed from the forgiveness she received from him. She's forgiven and grateful. And this is probably a nice thing to point out too for us. Notice that this woman is not forgiven because she showed a great act of love. She's forgiven by Jesus. And then that's what prompted her act of love. Jesus had said, Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. The woman's love was not the reason or the cause of forgiveness, but her act of love proved in a visible way that her sins were forgiven because gratitude flows from a forgiven heart. 
And so it's the same with us too. Our gratitude flows from the forgiveness we've received from God. It's not about us doing these acts of love so that God would then forgive us. Notice Jesus didn't say to the woman, your great act of love has saved you. He said, your faith has saved you. The woman had faith that Jesus forgives her sins. She's forgiven and grateful because of that. And for us too, it's not about how extravagant our acts of gratefulness are. It's not like we have to match this, this weeping woman in order to impress God. He forgives us either way. And yet, the more we come to realize how surprising God's forgiveness is, the more we might surprise ourselves with how much we're willing to give up our own resources and energy and time to say thank you back. And, and when we even do something small, seemingly insignificant, like give a cold cup of water to someone in need, even that is extravagant in God's eyes. He loves to see that happen. And at the end of the day, and at the end of every worship service, if you're keeping track, Jesus gives the last word. Go in peace. How else can we go? Our sins are forgiven. We stand in a constant state of peace with our God. How can we not go in peace? It was the weeping woman that day who went home in peace, sins forgiven. It was the, the Pharisee who thought he had it all together who probably went home without peace, wondering what Jesus had said to that woman, her sins are forgiven. Because you see, that the gospel, the message of forgiveness, it, it is always there for the repentant sinner. It is always there to heal. God doesn't hesitate to forgive the repentant sinner. Your sins are forgiven. He did it with David. He did it with the weeping woman. Yes, God is serious about sin. He's serious about his law, but he's even more serious about his gospel. The gospel always gets the last word. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Amen.